Welcome back to this season of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the audio files from the DocSF Experience 2022. I'm Dr. Stefan Obini, your host for this podcast and the founder and chair of the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco, otherwise known as DocSF. In this podcast, we explore the idea of community and how to approach digital health as a gamified technology. We're joined by Roderick Alemania, CEO and co-founder of Ready Up Inc., which is in this exact space, but also one a person who has 25 years of experience in gaming. His perspective on how gaming can impact healthcare was really fascinating. So let's join Roderick on the DocSF 22 stage. Welcome back. I am so glad to hear all of the chatter going on. It sounds like everybody's having a whole lot of fun. And normally I don't bring people up with me, but you oh, just fall. come up so with you. Why not? Gaming, 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 gaming. It is super fun. It is super fun. And one of the things in healthcare where gaming is being used right now is we think about gamification as to how we're going to get behavior change. How do we get people to follow along with a regimen or a new set of prescriptions or rehabilitation? And so we've thought about those gaming mechanics to make it fun, to give people a sense of leveling up. But one of the things about gaming and the gaming community that they're really good at is actually building community. And as we all know, we're only as healthy as the communities that we are surrounded by or that we build within us. So today we are super excited to have somebody who has been on the forefront, building, designing, innovating, setting up businesses. If it didn't exist, he wanted to be there. And if it was fun, he was all completely in. I am so thrilled to be having with me up here today, the founder and CEO, right? Yes. Of ReadyUp. So when you think about esports, all of these groups that are building out gaming communities, they need a platform to help them engage their existing communities and to continue to build them up. And then also to think about new ways that gaming can be a really nice augmentation or how it is that we're going to be using gaming in 2037. Well, now, but in 2037 and the mechanics of building community. So I give you Roderick. Go for it. Thanks for having me. So um, I am going to be talking about the video game industry, and you're probably wondering, what the hell is this guy? What does video games have to do with orthopedics, right? Stefano asked me to come up with a really big idea, so I wanted to present that big idea first. And MRIs is NFTs. Write that down right now. That's actually my MRI. And in about uh, three weeks from now, I will be getting this right uh, knee operated on. I'm actually a previous orthopedic patient. I can do this because my rotator cuff got repaired about uh, three years ago. So when I wrote this presentation, I approached it from the context of, as a patient, how do I perceive my orthopedic care? How do I perceive my recovery? And what the hell does gaming have to do about it? So a couple objectives I have in this speech. First thing is, I want to drop some knowledge on you guys that'll make you look really cool to your kids. I work in gaming and my kids still don't think I'm very cool, but whatever, that's them, they're a bunch of teenagers. But more importantly, I'm not necessarily gonna give you recommendations. This should really be a thought starter. I'm gonna tell you what's happening in kind of the world of gaming. And I really want you to think about it is, how might this apply to what we're doing? How might it apply to patient care? And I'm gonna give you my perspective as a patient. I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on TV, nor do I profess one, but I am literally wrote this from kind of the perspective of, I've gone through this care before, and literally in about 20 days, I'm going through this care and I will be on crutches. Today, we're gonna to talk about a couple of things. I'm gonna give you a quick overview of the industry. I'm gonna talk about how it evolved 
And then the key thing is, and it's more of a question than me giving a solution, it's so what? That's what my, one of my mentors always said. Whenever someone dropped knowledge on him, he'd be like, so what? What does that mean to me? And what I'm trying to get you to do is think about how might some of these concepts apply to what we're doing in orthopedics or what you're doing in orthopedics. So let's talk about gaming. It's no longer about consoles and PCs. It's no longer about the geeky dude sitting in a room, eating Doritos, having Taco Bell, having Mountain Dew, all those things that you stereotype. It's really, really progressed. It's women. It's mobile. How many people have Facebook uh, profiles here? Show of hands. How annoyed are we seeing how someone did on Wordle? That is all a part of games. And the interesting part in this room is that you're probably a gamer and you didn't even know it. You know, most people think, oh, I don't play Fortnite and I'm not a Madden and Grand Theft Auto. Okay, maybe some of us do play Grand Theft Auto because that is a kick-ass game. But if you play Wordle, if you play Candy Crush, if you play Diner Dash, if your kids played Pokemon Go, if you did that with them, you're a gamer. And you're probably a gamer, but you probably don't associate with yourself as a gamer. Back to the matter is, you probably are a gamer. It's a massive market. Last year, it was probably close to $180 billion market. This is across console, PC, mobile, and such. What's been really interesting about the growth in this market is when mobile hit, when the, when the iPhone came out. That really, really kind of catapulted the games market. What's interesting is games is actually larger than movies and music combined. It is massive, massive entertainment. A couple other things. 40% of the world plays video games. Kind of crazy to think about it. And that is way too big of a number for it to be just dudes in a dark room eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew. Most people think it's young people play games. It's not. It's actually a huge composition of these gamers are actually 35 plus. And when you think about it, folks who are our age, I'm 53. We grew up with Atari. We grew up with Nintendo. We play games. And the best part about being a 50-year-old gamer is I can afford to buy whatever damn game I want. What's also been interesting is women are, there's a lot of women gamers. People think, uh, like I said, stereotype of, of women gamers. There are a ton of women gamers. Candy Crush, I think, is primarily uh, female-driven. Diner Dash, my wife was addicted to Diner Dash. It's where you have to clear tables and serve plates, and it was on her iPhone. It was ridiculous. And then, of course, you know, you see people playing Clash of Clans. I bet you there's some, some people in here that play Clash of Clans. But the long story short is, it's not what you thought it was. It is really, really mass-market entertainment. Esports, who's heard of esports? Show of hands. So is esports. It's people playing video games as competition for money. The same way the NFL drafts tonight, right? We'll have the NBA draft. Same thing. People are playing video games for money. And it is crazy. This year, it has become a $1 billion industry. And the top Dota 2 player, Dota is one of the uh, multi, uh, massive multiplayer games, makes $8 million a year just in salary playing video games. It's crazy. You have things like League of Legends, where they literally have probably close to 80 million people concurrently watching these competitions. And people might think, why the hell do I want to watch someone playing video games? What fun is that? When you play these games, think about if you, if you watch golf. You watch a golfer, he hits an amazing shot, and you're thinking, holy shit, that is so hard to do. When our kids are watching these kids on streamers or these adults play these games, they're thinking the exact same thing. Man, that is so hard to do. And I'm going to watch that. And because enough people watch it, there's enough sponsorship dollars to go around where a guy can literally make $8 million a year playing a video game. What's been interesting about some of these video game events, Dota 2, they have this big competition called uh, the International. And they basically get the video game community to fund the prize pool. The prize pool last year was $40 million. 
So I'm literally, this is like, it's crazy to think what video games used to be this small little thing of us playing Activision skiing. And I'm sure some of you guys played Activision skiing also. Let me talk about kind of the large community platforms and then we're gonna kind of jump into some, some trends. I assume most of you guys have heard of Twitch, which was originally founded here in San Francisco. A small little startup called Justin TV. I actually worked with them when they were uh, in South of Market. They were a partner of uh, one of the startups I was working with. The coolest thing about them at the time was they had free Gatorade. They're in a 10-person office space just South of Market. Uh, Justin was originally just streaming his life, and then it became about people streaming content, and then it became about people watching other people play video games. And again, people said, why would I want to watch someone play video games? A, if they're really good, it's fun to watch. But these people aren't just watching because they want to watch someone good. They're entertainers. You've probably heard of Ninja, Tyler Blevins. The guy's not the best Fortnite player, but the guy's entertaining. So the same way that we watch entertainment on TV, people are watching on Twitch because it's entertaining. If you haven't seen Twitch before, this is what it, it looks like. It's literally just a screen. Uh, the person streaming is playing. They usually have a microphone. And literally, people are just watching him or her. And there's a lot of hers. Again, it's just not, just not dudes. Him or her talk about whatever. Twitch has gotten so big. They have about 31 million uh, daily visitors. They're in the hundreds of millions as it relates to monthly audits. They got so big that NBC partnered with them this year. And when you look at what's going on with the Olympics, it's for older folks like us that like watching it. But the younger generations, Gen Z and millennials, aren't so interested in it. They partnered with Twitch so they could start getting some of that viewership in there. These things are massive communities. The next big community I want to talk about is Discord. Discord is a uh, voice and a chat app. And basically, the reason why Discord became so big was if we were all in a room, if we were online playing a, a multiplayer game, I'd have a really good way to talk to you. So literally, Discord was, was born out of this. Uh, Discord has rapidly expanded outside of games. I mentioned NFTs at the beginning of this presentation. The Web3 community, which is effectively blockchain, NFTs, anything that's kind of in that, in that realm, they have really taken to Discord. Discord looks like this. How many people here use Slack? So basically, Discord is a better version, Gen Z version of Slack, if you really want to just dumb it down and simplify it. It's that simple. People go, what is this Discord thing? It's literally a better version of Slack, in my opinion. And it's literally people just typing in or talking to each other. And you'll literally just, like on social, you'll get people having conversations, posting, and they keep getting pushed up and down. Each individual channel is called a server. So on the left-hand side, you'll see uh, all those little dots. You see uh, ReadyUp Demo, AS. Those are all considered servers. All those are just channels. And within each channel, people are conversing. And they're talking to each other. And Discord's been an interesting one. There are about, a, uh, about 140 million uh, unique users right now. A lot of people have been building Discord communities and then figuring out, what the hell do I do with that community? And one of the things that you'll see over the next probably couple of months is you'll start seeing them move into the realm of becoming marketing and distribution channels, because after all, they are media. So that's kind of video game 101. I uh, gave you just enough to be dangerous when you're talking, about, you're talking to your kids about it. I want to talk about what's been evolving in the industry, because I think this is kind of the interesting part of, for you guys in terms of takeaways. Games has become a service. Games has become about ongoing engagement, and I'll talk about that. And then finally, it's about community. And this is an area where gaming has, has really, really thrived and driven kind of this whole thing around community. Sometimes people think of community as being Facebook. Um, when you think about Facebook, it's just people posting stuff and commenting on it. 
Community is more about you having a conversation with a group of people. So, you know, that's how, it, that's how I'd probably differentiate my version of gaming community versus kind of the traditional Facebook community. And click. Hello, computer. There we go. So games as a service. What does this mean? So video games used to be a product that we bought. If you recall, uh, Madden's coming out. I'm going to go uh, buy the latest edition of Madden. And every year, what they're going to do is they're going to take that same version of Madden, probably slap on some new jerseys, probably add a couple new marketing features, and they'll sell a new product. And that product that you get that you stick into your PlayStation can never change. It's basically what you get is what you see. Very different from games as a service, and I'll get into that. Once you decide you want to get Madden, you would go into a retailer. You'd go into GameStop, Best Buy, Walmart, your favorite, and you'd make the purchase, and boom, next year you'd, you'd make that same purchase. So very simple, very, very, very linear. There's a game called World of Warcraft that came out. It's a massively multiplayer online game. There were other games that were part of the evolution, but this was one that everyone heard about. I think they had over 136 million players at one, uh, uh, through the history of the game itself. And a massively multiplayer online game just means that there's a boatload of people playing a game. And this game kind of has an open world. It's kind of like interacting in the real world, but in the virtual world. And that's what they're calling the metaverse these days, but it's been around for quite a while with, with gaming. This whole concept of games as a service really took off when mobile came out. The freemium model came out. In the past, you'd buy a game. You'd spend, what, 50 to 60 bucks? The freemium model was, let me give you the game for free. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put updates in the game so it's no longer just a product. It's an ongoing service. And I might drop some new content in there. I might drop some dances or what have you. But I'm basically evolving the product, but I'm selling those, those things to you. So instead of getting you for 60 bucks, I'm going to nickel and dime you until I get more than 60 bucks. And that's what's happened. That's what's really evolved in terms of, of, of games becoming a service. As I said, the game is no longer a static product. It is always evolving. So a lot of times you'll probably see on your credit card bills from your kids, oh my God, what did you just buy in this damn game? And I've been the victim of that same thing. So right now, They'll come out with season one and they'll put some goods in the game. The game is not finished when, they, when, when the person uh, purchases it. It's constantly evolving. They're putting new weapons in the game if it's a shooter game. They're putting new levels. They're putting in new characters. They might change, completely change the dynamic of the game and then force you to buy more stuff. So the approach is very, very different from building a, a piece of software. Piece of software, build it, ship it. Video games, build it. You don't have to be perfect about it. And then you're constantly shipping updates. And literally, that is games as a service. It's, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's a very, very, very different way of kind of developing uh, the game. And this plays into the community also. The interesting, broader entertainment as we know it has become a service. Remember when we used to go buy DVDs and the such? We don't do that anymore. We subscribe to things like Netflix. We used to buy CDs or back in the day, the 12-inch finals. Now you just subscribe to Spotify. And instead of getting paying that one-time price for that, for that song, we're now subscribing to a service and it becomes an annuity. Mandalorian, perfect example. Episodic content, the story is never over and we're keeping you engaged. And by the way, we're getting charged and that is a damn good show. If you haven't watched it, I highly suggest you watch it. Let's talk about ongoing, uh, uh, ongoing engagement. So continuous releases of content keep people engaged. Let's say that again, continuous releases of content, people engaged. It's super, super obvious. When I think about my orthopedic experience, I'm not constantly being engaged. It's in, out, follow-up email, which sometimes I pretty much won't read. So, so think about that from that perspective. 
How does the video game industry do it? Continuous content might be downloadable content. It might be something from a third party in the community, like a creator creating content that people want. Perfect example of what, uh, what I saw, what I didn't get what I wanted from my orthopedic care. A lot of times people will just go onto the internet and try to find someone that's, that has something to say about it. Because when you're going through this and this, you want to know everything you, you can possibly know about so you can, so you can heal more quickly. There's also events, probably not as relevant, but in the video game industry, a ton of events. Could be an eSport event. It could be a meetup like Comic-Con. But these continual events keep the people engaged in the content. In the video game industry, that is so important because continuous engagement means that people are spending time in your game, which means that you're making money off of them. So as a part of continuous engagement, there might even be a business model that's relevant for what you guys are doing. We can create an annuity stream for your care. Competition gets people engaged. It could either be player versus player or team versus team. I mean, that's why we watch sports. Why? It's why we watched the Warriors last night. We're engaged with the Warriors. And for three quarters, they looked absolutely horrible. And then for the fourth quarter, they looked awesome. But that kept us engaged, right? Co-op. That keeps us engaged. If I'm doing a workout with a buddy or a group of people, that's going to make me keep coming back. I cycle. Well, not right now because of this damn knee, but I cycle. And you know what makes, what's fun about cycling? I'm doing it with my friends. And we're competitive with each other, but we're supportive with each other. And again, it's part of the whole peer pressure of it keeps me engaged. Yeah, I will cycle because I want to stay healthy, but I want to keep doing it because I'm doing it with people. Talk about community. Communities form around content, both first party and third party. So when I talk about community today, yes, you as management could create communities, but what's probably going to happen is a lot of organic third party communities also sprout up. Perfect example, someone who's a creator that just wants to talk about, hey, here's what I did to get my shoulder better after my surgery. These things will naturally occur, but still, I think there's an opportunity for you to actually push this concept instead of letting it just kind of organically happen. It's up to me as the patient to find these communities. And maybe something you could think about is how can you start kind of cultivating this whole concept of community? Speaking of community, one of the most important jobs now in the video game industry is community management. It has become probably one of the most important roles. They have direct contact with the customer. They are the ones that are fostering the ongoing relationship. I want to bitch and complain about a game or someone that's bugging me in game. I'm going to go in the community and complain about it. And the community manager's job is all about engaging that customer. It's part customer service, but they also might be feeding, hey, here's upcoming things that are happening in the community. And the idea behind this community management person is all about driving continual engagement. In the game space, that's incredibly important because simple math formula, more engagement equals more revenue. As it relates to care, more engagement will probably keep me on the path of healing. Look, I don't do everything that my doctor tells me. I don't think anyone really does. So I think this is a really important component of community is keeping the end consumer engaged with their care. You can tell me all the things I should do to stay healthy, but there's a pretty good chance that most people aren't going to do it. And they constantly need to be reminded and they need to be peer pressured to do that. And that's kind of getting to the so what component of this. So ask yourself, is orthopedic care being approached like a product or is it an ongoing service? And I'm not saying I'm expecting to, to have, go into a chat room with my doctor, but I can tell you, you know, speaking as a patient, and this isn't a knock, 
It just is what it is. But, you know, I go in, I'll get a couple emails, got to make sure I'm going to uh, physical therapy, and then hopefully I'm done. And for me in particular, because I tend to like athletics, I was sticking to my regimen, but a lot of people aren't like that. And so think about it. Are you treating your patients as a product or is this a service? Second thing, how are we keeping patients engaged? The only way I kept getting engaged was through email, but there are definitely other ways you can keep me engaged. Discord is actually a perfect opportunity for you guys to start kind of uh, creating community. It is easy to use. If you want to use Slack, use Slack, but it is easy to use. If someone can tweet, they can get on Discord and they can talk on Discord. They can do the same thing with Slack. Then finally, the thing to think about is, how are you fostering community? This is probably a new person that you would want to hire if you start taking this approach to literally engage the patients. The doctor's not going to have time to do this. But this is all about kind of the human touch portion of, of patient care. Having someone to talk to or other people in the community. The community is not just the community leader, but it's other people that are going through what I'm going to be going through in about three weeks on this knee. And I wouldn't love to talk to people who have gone through this because it's going to suck. I'm going to be on crutches for three weeks and I'm going to have to, you know, misery loves company at the end of the day. And, you know, community is a, a pretty interesting opportunity, I think, for you to, to add that component of care. So my final thoughts, not about games. It's been getting you, getting our patients from me in this pathetic hospital picture to recovering to getting back out on the slopes this year and then crashing and screwing up my knee. And I'm going to be doing the whole thing three times again. So anyways, thank you very much. Happy to take questions. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have some questions, why don't you go ahead and put them into your Slido. And we actually do have some mics. So if you guys wanted to take them out there, best gamer handle? Best gamer handle. My co-founder has a gamer handle, Fatality. And uh, if you've been in gaming, he was actually the very first full-time pro gamer ever. He won 13 world championships. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is a, a plug for him, but it is a cool gamer handle, Fatality. Yeah. And he's 40 now, and he can still kick everyone's ass in games. The guy's still really good. I hear it on good authority. You're terrible. I am absolutely terrible at games. The gamer's used, gamer, yeah. Remember when we grew up, it was like Latari. You had a joystick in one button. If you played games now, literally there's about 15 buttons or something like that. And you're just like, what the hell? What, what does this one do? And then when a new game version of the game comes out, they'll switch the buttons around. Like, dude, I don't have time to figure out like what the new mix of controls. So I'm absolutely terrible at games. And when I play with my kids, they pretty much call me trash and pretty much won't play with me anymore. Okay. So I am a techno-optimist, but even being a techno-optimist, the first question that I ask is what could possibly go wrong with gaming as a service and we're focusing on engagement and keeping people there. And I'm thinking in particular right now about the adolescents, the, the youth in this country, the youth across the world, really, really struggling with mental health. And part of that has been they haven't been in person. So in this wonderful desire to build community with people who are not near to you, how does this work? How does this not have a a bad end, a, yeah, well, a that, fatal ending. Yeah, well, I think, you know, your question is my biggest concern with gaming also, which is these kids get addicted. My kids, when they went into middle school, everyone was given a laptop. And you think theoretically, oh, that's really cool. Like, look at all the knowledge that they have at their fingertips. I mean, they can see these pictures. They can see, you know, Michelangelo's works. What are they doing? They're, they're screwing around and they're getting addicted. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I work in the industry and I'm concerned about it also. Kids get addicted. 
and they become withdrawn. And one thing I do like about what the, the industry is doing, mental, mental health has become a, a something that's become really important. Gamers definitely suffer some, from some def, definite mental health issues. I like the fact that companies are creating in-person events. It's too easy for these gamers to, to stay online. Alone. Alone. In a dark exactly. space. And, and they'll say, I'm socializing. Yeah, you are socializing, but it's not about the digital world. It's about the real world. All the cool things that we've done have pretty much been in the real world. And there's been some cool things we've done online. But So is it is it hybrid events? I mean, is I, it, you build a community around the interest and then you bring people together? I, I, I think so. Okay. In real life. And I think after the, uh, you know, after after COVID, people want to get together in real life. Yeah. Well, I, th I think with a lot of kids, what we found is the idea of staying at home and doing school at home. Kids are so excited to be back yeah. and with, with their friends. But they've also figured out they're having a hard time figuring out how to do that. Right. So anyway, we're, we're counting on people like you to help us. Are there any questions? Where can we follow you? LinkedIn. Okay. Good. I don't tweet or Facebook that often. If it is, you'll see pictures of my kids playing baseball. So thank you so much for coming and bringing our knowledge base up so that we can sound like we're, we're in the know. Cool. We're in the know. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this presentation and will consider joining us live in San Francisco for DocSF 2023, when we will explore how digital technologies will enhance support and enable the expansion of the outpatient surgery arena. Register now to join our mailing list at docsf.health, docsf.health, and be the first to access our limited tickets. DocSF, join the revolution.